Does anybody out there got a fly swatter? I got this pesky fly that keeps buzzing around my computer screen. It is a touch screen, so my mouse is jumping everywhere. I'm trying to swat it, but I'm trying not to hit the mic, trying not to hit the mixer, the fixed mixer, the new mixer, trying to break my computer screen. This fly has got to go. Anybody can come in and help me anytime they want to. And then we can get to episode 91 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I guess we're going to do it with the fly as the co-host today. I don't know if the fly's got many words to say, but hey, at least we got somebody here. We got a guest. Nah, just kidding. We got a different guest in Nick Garini, the new Hall football coach. Awesome conversation with him. It did happen about a month and a half ago with the breaks that we took and things that happened did get pushed just a little bit longer than we would like. Big shout out to Nick. Great guy. Great conversation. Talks all about his Hall upbringing, love for football, and his excitement to be the head coach of Hall football. The Red Devils got a lifer there. Nick has been a Hall guy through and through his entire life, and it only makes sense for him to take over the football program. Before we get to Coach Garini, lots of stuff to talk. I got a long list. You know, I jot things down. I'm a note guy. First of all, rest in peace to Steve Self, former Henry boys basketball coach. Great man. Great guy to talk to. Knew his basketball. Knew how to make relationships with his players, with reporters, with fellow coaches. Just a great guy. He was easy to talk to and would give advice to anybody about anything. I talked to him many times, not even about basketball, just about life in general. And he gave me a couple pointers, a couple of, I guess, a little bit of mentorship advice, and I definitely appreciate it. He was a great guy, and he will definitely be missed. No doubt about that. So rest in peace, Coach Self. I'm not going to try to fly through these like it's no random bus shot topics, but, you know, there's a lot of things I want to talk about. MLB, Miami Marlins have 12 players that test positive for COVID and then two coaches. 14 people in the Miami Marlins organization test positive for COVID-19, the coronavirus. I give MLB and sports a big credit for trying to get back. I know it's on money. Players want to be paid. Owners want to make the money that they've been making for a long time, owning these teams, getting fans in the stadiums, which still isn't happening. Fans watch their product on TV, buy jerseys, all that good stuff. Yes, they want to get back to making money and giving people what they want, which is sports. But unfortunately, there is this crazy thing of a virus going on, and it is affecting people that are traveling all over the country and being in different places more than not. And I'm not saying that these athletes are going all over the place, but they're going more places than people that are not. (laughs) I guess that's the easiest way to say it. So their probability of testing positive is going to be higher than saying me or you who, you know, stay home. They go to their work, which is probably in the same town or maybe 20 minutes away see the same people every day, then they go home and we're wearing masks and we got shields and face shields and hand sanitizer and all this other stuff. Again, not saying that these athletes are not around, I guess we'll call PPE, 
or proper hygiene. But the chances of them being around people that are not taking those precautions is a lot higher. The MLB has not shut the doors again. So no, we're still going to play. We're going to act like it's another day at the office or in this situation, the ballpark. NBA says we are still cautiously optimistic about playing the rest of our season. The NFL says we still want to play our season, even though preseason has been canceled. I'm glad about that. They could cancel preseason anytime. It's not even real football. You want to watch like the first five, ten minutes and then turn it off. That's about it. You see the stars play and sometimes the stars don't even get in. And then that's it. I mean, if you are a lifelong football fan, you live, breathe, gridiron, then I guess you watch the whole game just so you know people that could play. You know, week four, week five, there's some injuries. Or, you know, week six, somebody has a season-ending injury and then you've got a platoon at running back or a platoon at safety and there's, you know, five different guys rotated in, especially in the secondary of a defense. You got four or five guys that are rotating or an offensive or defensive line that happens a lot too. You got three, four, five guys that are rotating. I guess you know who they are. You know what they can do. Okay. Okay. I see that. But in terms of just loving football and wanting to enjoy the product, preseason is not the way to go. It's really boring. There's not a lot of fun involved. It's just like, the first week is cool. The first week is cool because like, yeah, football's back. Like, let's go. And then at the end of the first quarter, you're ready for the season to start. And the next three and three quarters of preseason to be over with. I mean, you're already ready for that. But again, in COVID times, we're ready for anything. So I'm sure there are a lot of people that are like, man, I would have watched a preseason game just so I could watch something. And I understand that as well. And I know I just mentioned the mask. Everybody's wearing masks at work today. I got there right before 8 o'clock at about 9. Got mandated to wear masks and going to more places, Walmart, Family Dollar. Well, Family Dollar was like that the entire time. Got to wear a mask. More and more and more places are going back to you cannot enter without a mask. I wonder how long it's going to be before kids can't get into stores again and we go back to where we were at. Or maybe even worse with the quarantine. We will see, but it's coming back. We're not over this. We're not moving past it yet. No way. No way. This is going to be a whole 2020 thing. The rest of the year is going to be dictated by COVID-19. And maybe even longer than that. I know the political conspiracy theorists are saying as soon as the election happens, this is going to be over. And I don't know. I mean, when COVID-19 first came around, I was cracking a couple jokes. Then a week later, maybe two weeks later, I was super serious. Like, okay, hand sanitizer. I'm wiping everything down. I'm cleaning my house. Like, I spring clean for the first time in my life. I'm not a dirty guy. I live pretty cleanly. But I went crazy with the Lysol and the bleach, and I cleaned absolutely everything. Just to make sure. Wasn't trying to get sick. Making sure my family was safe. Friends safe. Like we should. But now I think it's kind of like a nationwide theory that we either did too much, we thought about it in a way bigger spectrum than it is, or we just don't really understand the whole range of this thing. If it's still here, it's still affecting people, 
still taking lives, still making people severely sick. Maybe we just didn't realize the whole span of this thing and it's not going to be over for a while. Some people were hoping it was going to be a two-week thing, you know, whatever, we'll get over it, that's it. Well, it's been since March. We're almost five months into this thing. There's no light at the end of the tunnel, to be completely honest, not yet anyway. But it has been cool to watch games, follow games, have some live sports going on. Right now, it is 9-21 on Monday, July 27th. Bottom of the sixth, the Cubs lead the Cincinnati Reds 7-0. In the top of the sixth, the Pittsburgh Pirates lead the Milwaukee Brewers 1-0. Those games are still going on. We do have some finishes. San Diego Padres defeated Arizona Diamondbacks 6-2. The Toronto Blue Jays knocked off the Washington Nationals 4-1. Tampa Bay Rays got a big win over Atlanta Braves 14-5. Houston Astros defeated Seattle Mariners 8-5. And also still going on right now, bottom of the eighth, the New York Mets lead Boston Red Sox 7-2. So it's cool to be able to say scores and watch games and see what's going on. If you're watching the Cubs right now, right-handed pitcher Dan Winkler is on the mound. It's cool to have some things going on, but I mean, safety first. Hopefully we can have some sports, keep going on, and everybody be safe. I mean, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what we should be doing. I don't think anybody does. If we did, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in for going on five months. If anybody knew what was really going on, this would have been over, or we wouldn't be in the situation we are. That's just my thoughts. So I'm happy we have sports. I'm gonna be sad when they go away, because I think they will, but it was cool to give it a try and try to get some normalcy back into our lives. What is not normal is what Walmart had to do. They had to ban a couple for wearing Nazi swastika face covering, like a face mask that was the Nazi symbol. What is really going on? Why would anybody think that's appropriate? You should be banned from life. I don't think you get arrested for that, but you probably should. That's ridiculous. Definitely ridiculous. Especially in the times we are now. We've had protesting about racism. There's been a lot going on between our own people. We're all Americans. We're all here trying to do the same thing and that's live the best life that we can. Why do things like that? Why wear a Nazi sign on your face when we're all trying to get past the virus? It's just stupid. Very, very stupid. Can't believe that a couple would think about that. And since we're on the mass topic, I guess that's going to be the intro of the show is all about COVID-19 masks. Planet Fitness, which I think has been open for a little bit, is now telling their patrons to come in, work out, but you must wear a mask. How are you supposed to wear a mask and work out? Today was the first day that I had to wear a mask at work and I couldn't see because I wear glasses and they fogged up. My face itched pretty much all day. It was very irritated. I do have a little beard going on again. I guess I'm gonna have to shave it off just so I can wear this mask because otherwise I'm gonna itch my face. I was moving it around the whole time. It, it's just annoying. I understand it's precaution, but when you're not used to it or you have to all day or anything like that, it is no fun, no fun whatsoever. So I do not know how you're supposed to work out with that. I went and worked out and took a run after work today. No way I could have done that with a mask on. 
absolutely no way that I could have done that with a mask on. And you want anybody that comes into your business to do that? That's going to be really, really tough to follow. What can also be tough to follow sometimes is keeping up with your home. Lots of things could go wrong at any time. However, whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, remodels, garage additions, and room additions. Owner Keith Milas has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted via Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or by email olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out the show. As always, I am your host, Brandon LaChance. Probably didn't mention my name in the beginning. I am bad at that. Hopefully you listen enough that you know who I am. That's awesome. But I have to get better at saying my name in the beginning. Brandon LaChance, this has been episode 91. We have our special guest, Nick Garini. And you can listen to him in this podcast or any of our previous 90 episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, or Google Music. You can hit us up on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, or Twitter, Edge of Your CP. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or anything that you would like to say to Edge of Your Seat Podcast at all, shoot us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's kick it to Nick. Until next time, peace. Without baseball going on because of COVID-19, already thinking about the future. And when I think of future right after baseball, the first thing I think about is football. Not in importance of sports, but the calendar year, sports year, that's how it goes. Right after baseball or why the playoffs are going on, you know, football starting up and we get into the gridiron groove. So I had to have... I'm going to call him a friend. We've talked a few times, seen him on the football field as an assistant coach with Hall. We have, of course, talking about Nick Garini. How's it going, my man? Good. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm doing well, and I'm glad you came on. I'm so excited for you. I just said an assistant with Hall. That was the last three years. But for the future coming up, you are the new head coach. Congrats. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. So this is a long time coming, graduated from Hall in 96 after helping the Red Devils win their first football state championship. Of course, they won again in 2001. Then you're an assistant coach. Now you're the head coach. Kind of come full circle here with Hall. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Uh, it, it took me quite a few years to get back into coaching after college. Uh, career path kind of took me in a different direction. I've been fortunate enough over the last 10 years or so to have a flexible enough schedule to kind of get back into coaching both baseball and football. Are you coaching baseball with Hall as well, or where are you coaching baseball at? No, not with Hall. Um, over the last few years, I've been pretty pretty involved with Spring uh, uh, Valley Red Devil Travel Baseball Program. Helped get that started up a few years ago with a, a couple of buddies from town, and we've had a pretty good success with several several age groups as well for travel baseball. So I, up until this year, I've been pretty well involved with it. 
All right, a few things that you just said that we want to touch on. First of all, you went to Beloit College. Did you go there right after Hall? I did. Started there right uh, fall of 96 and graduated 2000. Did you play any sports with Beloit? I did. I played football. Um, I was a three-year starter at fullback, um, and my senior uh, was elected captain to go into my senior year, but I was also a biology major and working at the time, so... Got to be a little bit too much, so I, I opted out after my third year. Because you're like, hey, football might be done here, but career-wise, this is going to be yeah. my future. At, at some point, the, the the dream of making it big becomes a reality of, hey, I'm going to have to work here pretty soon. So my senior year was, was a lot more, you know, a lot of lab work. Uh, again, being a biology major kept me pretty busy, but pretty involved with my fraternity at the time and, and working part-time, so... Uh, football got to be the, the extra that was kind of fading away at that point. Gotcha. You said frat. What's your frat? That was Sigma Chi. Okay. Okay. I don't know what to say other than that. I wasn't a frat boy. <laughs> I have a lot of friends that were in frats, and I've never had problems with them. I know you kind of get that stigma when you're in college, like, sure. oh, they're frat yeah. boys, or if you're a frat boy, yeah. oh, they're not. You know, to be honest, though, it, it, they, you know, they get bad names at a lot of schools, and probably for good reason at some of them. But um, where I went, it was a, it's a small campus, and it was pretty tight group, and it was mostly the athletes. So that fraternity on campus was a good way for me to, you know, interact with the other football players. Um, had some baseball players and basketball players in the house, so it was kind of like the, the athletes on campus. Gotcha, gotcha. Before we get back to football, what have you been able to do with your biology major? Um, well, after I graduated um, for about a year, I worked down at Wildlife Prairie Park. My degree was in wildlife fishery and biology, so I got a job actually taking care of the wildlife down Peoria um, for about a year. And after that, I've been at the Walmart Distribution Center in Valley for going on 20 years. That's a long time to be at one place. Yeah, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough for a lot of years, though. I, I've been promoted several times now so I, I, te- I technically still work in the building um, but I'm a, I'm a manager I, basically I, I report to the home office down in Arkansas um, but I've been pretty fortunate to be able to sit across Spring Valley and, and continue in my path a career path I guess with Walmart very cool and you know sometimes that happens sometimes people are fortunate and get into the fields that they wanted to and went to college for and sometimes they're fortunate to find a great job that supports them and lives a healthy, comfortable lifestyle was something you had no idea you were going to be doing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I, and I tell the kids all the time, too, you know, they're, they're, they're so set on, on majors, and, you know, it, it's really important to pick that career path. Um, but to be honest, my, my college education is more, you know, independence, you know, learning how to manage my time. You know, again, like I said, I was playing football. The biology major. Um, I worked a part-time job on campus, and I worked a part-time job off campus for a while. You know, being a fraternity, uh, held a couple offices of a fraternity by my senior year, so it was a lot of administration and working with, um, you know, admin for the school. So, you know, my experiences, more than my degree, were probably my education for four years. All right, I just wanted to prove that Edge of Your Seat podcast is not all about sports, and we are... <laughs> are interested in education and, and life and stuff outside of sports. But now we can get back to football. So you are the head coach. Just talk about that opportunity. Obviously, you played there. You've been in Spring Valley for a long time, and football is huge for the Hall Red Devils. So talk about this opportunity that you have. 
it's pretty cool, and I'm, I'm pretty grateful to have the opportunity. Like I said, even when I graduated college, my intent originally was, you know, someday I want to become a, a science teacher with my biology degree in college. And like I said, I, I put that off for quite a few years just to where my career was taking me. So like I said, about 10 years ago, I was fortunate enough to get back into coaching because I really do like the interaction and, and, and teaching the kids. Um, I, I, I'm one of those guys that really think there's more to sports than just the sport. I, I think you can learn a lot of life lessons from it. So I really do like seeing successful kids coming coming from, you know, whatever sport it is and just kind of learn about life through it. So again, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to take it to the next level. What is it about football? I mean, there's tons of sports. I know you're interested in baseball. You could play anything you want to, really athletic. What was it about football that kind of sucked you in, player, coach, and, you know, it's your life? It's a couple things. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a roughneck. You know, I, I like the, the physical aspect of it. I was a, a big gym rat in high school, uh, mainly the weight room. So, you know, the, the physical aspect, the hitting, the, the strength, you know, it, really, really kind of got me down that path. But on the other hand, too, I like that it, it takes more than one person to, to be successful. You know, it's, you know, I, I was in my senior year where we were kind of looked at as kind of the, you know, the, the next group coming up that didn't really have much of a chance, you know, but we had a lot of kids that were wanting to play together and work together. So that, that aspect of teamwork with a game like football is huge. You know, baseball has it to a point. But, you know, each individual play could be one person. Or football, it takes 11 guys, you know, to be successful on each play. So the whole camaraderie and group effort is a big thing for me. I remember talking to you for a Where Are They Now story with the local newspaper. And I remember you telling me that that year that you guys won the state championship, you guys were kind of underdogs and nobody expected that from you. And then you go away with the state championship. That had to feel pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. The, my junior year, um, we had an excellent team and a lot of great um, players on that team, too. Um, and and I, I had a little bit of room my junior year, even. Uh, so, you know, backup linebacker, backup running back. And I saw the field quite a bit, but it wasn't the starting role. And really, there wasn't a whole lot of us that did. So, my, my senior year, when, when we did come up, it was, you know, we were kind of the underclassmen that didn't have a whole lot of experience. That wasn't a whole lot of expectation, you know, but... I tell you before, for practice one, before we left that that last meeting, our junior year, going into our senior year, we had a little bit of different opinion on what was going to happen the following year. And we had a lot of kids that worked at it, so um, it wasn't given to us by any means. You know, there was a lot of lot of guys that came together to make that happen. What is it that you want to be known for as a coach? I mean, this is going to be your program now. What are you going to try to instill or do that kind of defines this next era of Hall football? To be honest, every coach can tell you, you don't want to win. I'd like to continue the tradition that Hull's had. Coach Steven and the staff that have been on there for the last few years, I mean, they've had success. Back when I was playing in the 90s, I think there was, you know, I didn't even know what the streak was. It was like 20 years in a row that the school made the playoffs. So I'd like to be part of that tradition. You know, I'm not coming to change anything. I don't need to be known as the coach that changed things or the, the coach that did anything different. I just want to be a, the a next line of coaches that has success at home. And su- success to me, you know, one is winning, but success is seeing the kids prosper. Um, coming down the program successful. You know, I, I, I like seeing these kids that, you know, come back, you know, four years, five years later that are successful in whatever they do. And like I said, I do attribute some of my success to 
having gotten to play football for so long and with different programs and different coaches, and I take a little bit from every coach that I played with too. Uh, so being successful, one is winning, but two is is seeing success of the kids when they're around the program as well. I'm glad you just brought that up, you know, seeing other coaches and being around other coaches. You played for Gary Vecini, who is a legend in the area. You were just an assistant coach for Randy Tiemann, who had a fantastic run for the last seven years with Hall. What are some things that you've picked up from at least those two guys, whether it be X's and O's, game plan strategies or practices, or even just the mentality of how to lead young men on the football field? What are some things that you've picked up from these guys? You talk about full circle, so the, it's kind of the funny thing is when I was in high school, you know, all was known for the wing team, and we were successful at it. Um, had a lot of running backs come through over the years that were, were really successful. Going to college then, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be a whole different scheme, a whole different playbook. And to be honest, the team I played for there was the wing team. So, you know, a lot of the, the plays, a lot of the things that we did in high school carried over, so... Working with uh, Coach Rossini and Coach Smith and Coach Gaspers, the guys that were there when I was a senior, kind of carried over to when I was in college. And to be honest, by the time I was a junior in college, they called me the OC. I was the fullback, but I was the one that was, you know, with our coordinator calling half the plays. From a high school and college perspective, learning the offense and learning understanding offense and how, how the pieces work together, I, I took a lot away from that. And then here, you know, I, I come back 20 years later and start coaching at home again. and you know, we're running the same playbook from, you know, 20 years ago when I, when I played in high school and college. So, again, I was able to bring some of that back. But at the same time, I was able to learn from Coach Tiemann, too, on, on some of the, the scheme changes, you know, with it. Um, he's, a, he's definitely expanded it from uh, a lot of what I played. So it's kind of cool to see some of the how he's throwing axes always together from the scheme. So I definitely was able to, to take quite a bit away from that. Did you pick up from T-Man or Vecini or even your coach at Beloit of how to, you know, go about leading a team? I mean, we're talking about teenage boys and you're at that age where, you know, you can be rebellious, you could be arrogant, you can be, you know, not want to listen, things like that. Have you seen ways that they handled situations for you to kind of carry over and, and lead a program in the right direction? Absolutely. And to be honest, you know, this is not even just coaching. I mean, you know, back in the 90s, 80s, you know, when things were different, attitudes were different, um, the, I guess the attitudes of the players and coaches were different, and it was a different way of coaching. You know, if you did something wrong, you knew about it. Coaches were, were riding you, getting on you. There was a, a lot of heavy-handed, not, not bad by any means, but a little bit more forceful coaching. College, I went and I had completely opposite. My my head coach, um, Barry Sedbu, and when he did get angry, it was almost a, a laughable situation because it was hard to see him angry. So I got, you know, between high school with, with um, Coach Rossini and Coach Smith and those guys who were, who were really passionate about the sport, really passionate about being perfection and, and getting it right, to going to college and having almost a pacifist as a coach, I got to see both groups real quick. Now, coming back 20 years later, you know, attitudes are different from kids. You know, attitudes are different from parents. It's kind of good that I got to take from both scenarios because that's kind of what it needs now. You know, and Coach Tiemann um, and Coach Ferrari, they, they, over the last couple of years, they, they had that both. You know, they, they knew when it was time to, to be the stern coach and, and, you know, this is a discipline thing. You know, you guys got to follow the rules. You know, this is where we're at. But at the same time, you know, you have to have a little uh, pacifist in you to, hey, kids are different, attitudes are different. People react differently to being up 
like a little bit from this experience a little bit from this experience a lot from this a lot from that throwing it all together mixing in a pot and here we are yeah i'm kind of that guy that's awesome it's kind of like hocus pocus coaches world yeah yeah Yeah, like i said i've been pretty fortunate to to be put in a lot of different situations with a lot of different coaches and managers and you know being in a manager role for a lot of years championship season and now you're back as coaching when you first got there three years ago what was the feeling walking back on that stadium awesome it's, it's awesome and I'll be honest it, it's still awesome now uh, unfortunately I, I got back into the coaching role I, I do have two boys I got back in the coaching role when they were little and I started coaching youth football before they were in there um, I was able to get on the hall staff before they were in high school so you know being part of it by myself and getting back into it was a pretty good feeling and even now, I drive by there and think, man, it's, it's so cool that I get to be here again. The other part of it is kind of cool is, you know, I'm, I, I had uh, my older boy play varsity as a sophomore last year. And my younger son, who will be an incoming freshman this year, are, are both pretty active in football and baseball. And, um, so, one, getting to be part of that for me is cool, but getting to be part of it and, and see them come through it and be part of it and share some of the same experiences I've had there is a pretty awesome feeling. So um, it's safe to say you're going to run the wing tee, and it's safe <laughs> to say there's going to be a lot of football conversations at the dinner table. Yeah, but definitely football conversations. You know, the, the wing tee, you know, it's a good base offense no matter what. Fortunately, you know, it's kind of a unique situation I'm stepping into this year with the COVID and the restrictions for, you know, IHSA and contact and no summer contact at this point. You know, the headwinds are kind of stacked uh, against our program this year to, to want to make many changes. We'll have some new staff members coming on, um, filling some holes, and, and having limited contact with a young group. It, it's going to be pretty difficult to, to make a lot of changes. Not necessarily that I would make a lot of changes, but, you know, there's, we're going to be pretty consistent from what we've done in the last couple of years only. I, I think it's going to be difficult to try to do much new, depending on the contact situation. You know, hopefully here next week, Illinois decides to, Maybe loosen the script a little bit. And if I just say, you know, fall suit with what the state does, you know, we may have some interaction. Um, but it's going to be tough. And, and I'm totally going into this knowing full heartedly that there's, there's going to be some headwinds this year. But we're, we're willing to take on the challenge. Yeah, I know you just said 
waiting to see what Illinois does and lessen up the, the hold they have. But I honestly think the state in general, whether it's sports or restaurants and bars and everything, I think they're just sitting back and watching the rest of the states. You know, Florida opens the beaches after, you know, cases you know, kind of calm down and then they kick back up. They're waiting to see what happens as these states, you know, reopen and everybody's back in the public and doing normal things. What happens? So everybody's been kind of dogging Illinois about this. And, you know, I've probably been guilty about it a little bit too you're in a quarantine for three months i mean we're all going to be like that but i think they're trying to be strategic here yeah yeah it's hard to say you know and there's so much political you know between both sides and i try to stay out of that you know i've I've been fortunate enough um work on walmart that you know i'm at uh, an essential level i guess you know if you want to call it that um so i I, you know i've been able to maintain my job and continue working Uh, my wife's been fortunate too she's been working from home you know Following suit and doing what we're told, yeah, we're on board. Um, my my bigger thing right now is my concern for these businesses that you know had to you know, close up shop and walk away from it. You know, if there's anything that's wanting me to, to get out of this right now, is just to get back on track for those those folks that are really needing it right now. But but I get both sides. You know, I, I get that Illinois trying to do the right thing for, from a health perspective, and you know it's it's going to be tough even when things do open back up to see how it, how the interaction is going to be for a while. Yeah, I mean, you work for a big company. I work for a bank, which is pretty big in this area, big in Illinois. So we probably didn't have really much to worry about. But you're right. These small businesses that were forced to close, especially bars and restaurants and or restaurants even could do curbside. But I'm sure their business was cut in half or even more because they didn't have the clientele coming in. So I totally agree with you. And hopefully the local businesses and small restaurants and everything like that can kick back into gear i mean i know when the doors are open people are going to flood to them because they're sick of being in their house yeah 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 and, and i think too you know and I, I feel for these kids you know, it's it's tough for these seniors that you know had to go out with you know three months off and, and losing their, their baseball and track and um, softball seasons you know it, it's tough as a senior to, to swallow that pill too so totally feel for the kids and, and even some of these underclassmen that are coming back you know not necessarily knowing what's going to happen in the fall, you know, if we're going to have school, if we're going to have athletics. I think a lot of them are needing an outlet right now, so it would be it would be really cool at this point if we could see something, you know, come from this, and, and hopefully it's the safe way, and hopefully people stay healthy doing it, but um, it would be nice to see something start to move forward again. Yeah, and I know if you were paying attention to your Facebook or Twitter, tons of graduation photos right now as the seniors from pretty much all over the country are graduating within this week and next week. So, yeah, it's a crazy, important, but disappointing and stressful. Like, I can't even imagine being a high school senior right now and the mixed emotions that they have to, you know, move on with their life, but not having the moments that they were hoping for coming into this year. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of seniors that, that were thinking, man, you know, I can't wait to be done, I can't wait to be done. But I think as soon as they shut that door and the, and the reality was, hey, I'm not going back, I, I think they probably hit more of them than they thought it would. Again, it's, it's just that, you know, you build a lot of relationships and that becomes your life for a while and when it just abruptly stops, um, I think it's probably tough on a lot of them. So, again, for them, the ones that are moving on to college or careers or whatever else, I, I do hope something gets going again so they can get back to them. Reality too. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. And not just abruptly. It happened abruptly on somebody else's power, or not even somebody yeah. else, like a phantom virus. It wasn't like, hey, I'm done with school, I'm stopping right now, I'm dropping out, or you know, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't that. It was like, hey, you can't go. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. You know, kind of struggling through the whole e-learning thing and, and schools and teachers and students trying to figure that piece out. Parents, you know, I, I feel for some of the parents of the younger kids, you know, but fortunate enough to have a, an eighth grader um, and, and a sophomore. So e-learning at that level is, hey, did you sign in today? Did you do your work? Yep. Okay. There, there's my teaching for the day. You know, but, you know, so, some of these parents with, with younger kids that were, were actually having to teach, that, that's a tough spot to be put in. You know, especially when they're trying to manage their own, you know, jobs or careers at the same time. So I feel for the parents of the younger kids for sure. I know you're a big White Sox fan. How has it been missing the season knowing that the White Sox were putting together quite a team? I mean, there's, there's only a few of us White Sox fans in Illinois, so I get that. But uh, I, I think a couple of them are my buddies, and, you know, we huge anticipation for uh, just the, you know, this is finally our year. You know, we're, we're going to get back, you know, maybe not World Series, but we're going to get a chance to see some of these young guys come together, um, kind of like the Cubs did a few years ago. And so so much excitement come up to the season, and all of a sudden, like, you know, here we go again. But I guess, you know, maybe this extra time off is, is good for, for healing up some of those surgeries and, uh, getting the pitching staff back in mind when, when it does happen. Yeah, that is one good thing. If you were injured, you have time to heal. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was tough. <laughs> finally, finally waiting for that sock season to happen. And, you know, my boys are White Sox fans too. You know, they were they were too young World Series to, to, to really remember a whole lot of it. But um, you know, it, it would have been nice to, to see something over here over this year, maybe next year, get them back to the big show. Definitely. I remember when the Sox won in 2005, I was a sophomore at SIU, and the SIU campus, which was kind of dominated by people from Chicago, the Burbs, that area, there was a probably, I'm going to say like a 20-mile crazy crash course through town of college kids just destroying stuff, which I don't, I am not an advocate of. But that was what that meant to these people for the Sox to win a, a championship. Yes, it's for, for, for the way we're cup-dominated for fans around here. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to get a whole lot of excitement from White Sox fans. So, you know, it, it, was, it was cool to see. And to be honest, I, you know, I've talked to the people that know I do bash the Cup fans, but it was cool to see the Cubs make it a couple years ago, too. You know, it was, it's still a local team, and, and, you know, it was still good, good baseball to watch. Uh, but I'd much rather be the black and white back in there. Oh, for sure, for sure. I have always said I'm a Sox fan, but I am also a Cubs fan. I'm just pro Chicago. Always have been. Yeah. Yeah, and in Bears too, you know, NFL, I know the, the talks going back and forth. Excited to see what happens this year. You know, I don't think they made as many moves that I would like to see, or probably most people would like to see. Beefed up the defense a little bit. Not necessarily a big fan of Foles. I, I don't know if that's going to be the winning ticket or not. Um, but I, I think historically, I think, you know, if, if Trubisky works his way out of the program, that'll probably be a play of years on different teams because that tends, tends to be what the Bears historically do. Yeah, they um, get a player, they even draft up for him, try to put him in their system to work, it doesn't happen, then they go to another team, and all of a sudden yeah. they're a superstar. Yeah, yeah, he'll be, all, he'll be a Hall of Famer somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, Man, I, you know, my boys were, were Bears fans when they were younger just because I was, and they didn't have much choice, but um, they, they both kind of picked their own path. Um, 
guess they're, they're far enough away in, in the south to, to be too much concern. And my older son, about four or five years ago, decided to be a Chiefs fan, and he, he jumped on at the right time. Um, he jumps on right before Mahomes becomes a real deal. So he, he can legitimately say he was a Chiefs man before, before Mahomes. So um, I think he's going to be secure for a while with his Chiefs. <laughs> Perfect. Patrick Mahomes is my favorite player in the NFL right now. Yeah, he, he's hard not to like. You know, some of the things he does, he's just... You don't think he's much of a runner, but they, they play that run to the point where it's hard to defend anything because he, he'll run to the last second and he's going to dump that ball over your head. And, yeah. Of course, he's got, he's got the, the best receiving, one of the best receiving crews ever, too. Oh, you know, with, you know the, the Bears' number one receiver would probably be fourth or fifth on that team. So it's not to put Trubisky in that same situation. And they were able to do all this without Kareem Hunt, which at first when the Kareem Hunt deal happened and he got booted from the team, and yeah. I was kind of worried about the Chiefs. Not that I'm a huge Chiefs fan, but, you know, I, I like to see good football. So with seeing that offense and he had Kareem Hunt there, it was really, really dynamic. They could do whatever they wanted to. So when yeah. that happened, I'm like, what is going to happen at the running back position? And they picked up like nothing even happened, like nobody even left. Yeah, never missed a beat. have to do to trade for Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Um, <laughs> do what you want to trade all your 11 defenders or all 11, 11 offenders? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was reading something today. It looks like uh, Chiefs are working on a lifetime commitment to Mahomes. So they said it's good. Some, some type of unprecedented offer. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, the Bears might even have to like trade their stadium like we'll give your soldier field we'll, we'll play give white, we'll give you the white Sox and wonder you know, yeah. that's what they would have to do yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it's safe to say that Mahomes is unless on something tragic happening uh, see him being with the Chiefs probably till he's a retiree at this point of course I would have said that for Brady too so <laughs> it's hard to say what happens in the NFL anymore yeah, speaking of what happens in the NFL, Brady goes to the Buccaneers. Gronk, who wins a WWE championship on WrestleMania, then all of a sudden he's a Buccaneer with his buddy Tom Brady. Yeah, which is confusing because I, you know, I listened to an uh, uh, interview with Gronk after he had retired and they asked him about going back and, and playing with Brady again. And it, to me, it didn't seem like it was the most positive experience in the world. Like, you know, he, he was too demanding of him and. Apparently it was, he had second thoughts for him to fall down there. That's crazy. I kind of, I'm interested to see the show and what's going to happen because that group of receiving core that they have in Tampa Bay is probably, maybe not as dynamic as Kansas City, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. He's got some weapons to work with for sure. Mike Evans um, is one of my favorite wide receivers. Seventy-five years old. 
Yeah, 76, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, 42, 43? Yeah, to be honest, I, I think I'm, I'm the same age as he is. I think we're both 42 right now. He has the opportunity to win another Super Bowl after already winning six. younger I'm 34 and I feel the same way a lot of times too so don't worry yeah mentally I'm at about 12 but physically I'm about 57 (laughs) I understand that I might be around the same ages both ways well Nick Coach Garini thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast chatting about Hall football and the future of the program we talked some MLB some NFL some Bears, White Sox, all kinds of awesome stuff. Thank you for spending your time with us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Once we get into a football season, hopefully this fall, hopefully we can have you back on to talk about some live football action. Yeah, I look forward to it. Like I said, I'm, I'm really at this point hoping some type of football happens this fall.